listening to the Joe Mays and Jay Raff Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. The Big Ten Championship lies on a measurement. Did he get it? No! He didn't get it! Penn State holds! They brought back the fun, they brought back the excitement, and now they've brought back a Big Ten Championship. The Penn State Nittany Lions are Big Ten Champions. And the NFL. 116 to go, 41 yards. Cardona to out. How about the drive to go close it out? You see Tom Brady. Enjoy him, folks. You're never, ever going to see it again. Not in our lifetime. Nope. So here's Zerline, part one, 48 yards. And we'll end it. No good. The rain continues. Yes, it does. They've got to snap it one more time. The ball will end up in the hands of Tom Brady on the kneel down. And there it is. The dynasty continues. All right, well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 273 of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I am not sitting here alone. With me will be co-host Justin Raffoff, also our guest Chad Henney this evening, but I think first off I want to mention something from an email we got from my uncle asking if we had changed our intro yet to remove the Eagles crap, I think that's a direct <laughs> quote, and put his Patriot stuff back in, um, and you know, Justin, I thought maybe you'd have something to say about that. Yes, uh, last week I, I specifically asked you if you could dub in sound into my headphones that it would still be the Eagles intro. So that I would just be like blissfully ignorant in my headset, and you chose not to do that. So I will I will blame your uncle Rich for that, and um, yeah, I I have nothing more to say about that. Well, I would say that I have a lot going on here. That for me to splice a different audio track for you is is probably asking a little bit too much. Oh, it's definitely asking too much. That's <laughs> that, but that's not the point. The point is. No one likes the Patriots. So well, yeah, that, that's that, true. That's, I, I think that's true. Chad, no one likes the Patriots, right? Yeah, I mean, two years in a row. <laughs> yeah. Well, we weren't going to bring it up. Uh, uh, I mean, actually, actually, we, we, we probably were. were. We yeah. were going to bring it up, yeah. It's, we'll it's, revisit that. Well, it's just like we have a lot of anti-Patriots sentiment here in the studio, but um, out, out far and those listening, we know we have a segment from Massachusetts, <laughs> Rhode Island, Connecticut that are, are diehard Patriots fans, and we hear from them a lot, so... Uh, but Chad, thank you so much for joining us again. I, I can't believe it's been almost six years since you were last on the show when we uh, had our, our 100th episode celebration and you joined us live for, you know, it's like 40 or 50 people showed up. It was a lot of fun. So thanks for coming back again and, you know, answering some of uh, our listeners' questions. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy coming on and hopefully we can make this a yearly episode. <laughs> hey, that sounds good to me. And uh, I think uh, I think the listeners agree because uh, we had a... Uh, a few people ask, and a lot of excitement. I can't say that we've had uh, so many, um, you know, likes, shares, or retweets. Uh, Justin's favorite when we do our contact information, the like and share, um, was very active this week uh, when we announced that you were going to be on the show. So uh, we definitely appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of initial stuff to go over in the beginning because I think the point of the show is to kind of celebrate uh, the eighth year of our show. We started that last week. We're continuing it this week. And the, the main part of this is all about answering listeners' questions before we dive into ours. Um, so I think if, uh, if there's anything else that wants to be said beforehand, and we'll probably just dive into it right away. No, I think we're good to get started. All right. So up first, um, Chad, this one comes from um, Karen Worrell, who's a, a Wilson graduate. Uh, she wanted to ask you how your football coaches have influenced your life, both professionally and personally. 
I'll start with a big question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it was heavy, a philosophical angle, but you know, I thought it was a good question and definitely one. I think she had wanted to ask this six years ago when we had you on, and uh, we didn't get to it in time. So I'm glad we were able to uh, do this for her now. Yeah, I think uh, anytime you get a good coach, he's almost like a father figure to a lot of athletes that go up. And um, I've been fortunate enough to have plenty of great coaches throughout the years. Um, I mean, from Little League, you know, Carl Dragonette, if he's listening, and, you know, Bill Kirkpatrick. I mean, you got those guys. You got Anton Fernsler going into, you know, Central Junior High School. Jim Contafio, obviously, uh, Doug Doms has been there forever. Uh, Ernie Walber's been there. I mean, all those guys have uh, are very influential. And then going on to Michigan, playing for Lloyd Carr, old school kind of coach. Uh, my quarterback coach, Scott Leffler, uh, who I still talk to, both of them. Uh, Scott just got the head coaching job at Bowling Green. Yep. Yeah. So um, very happy for him in that. And then, uh, you know, going to the NFL, I think, um, you know, Tony Sperano, uh being the head coach, uh, you know, rest in peace. Yeah. Obviously, uh, he passed away this past year, but he was a big uh, inspiration in me mm-hmm. and getting along and kind of getting my years going in Miami and uh, going in career that way. But then we, moving on to Jacksonville, Mike Malarkey, uh, Gus Bradley, uh, all the coordinators. I mean, from uh, Jed Fish to Greg Olson to Nathaniel Hackett, um, all those guys. I mean, really just I think if you keep an open mind as a player – um, you can learn a lot of things, not only football, but uh, in your personal life. And I think how to be a young man, how to mature, um, all the hard and all the hard work that goes into it uh, just teaches you valuable lessons in life. And, um, you know, now with, you know, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka, these guys um, are great on the football field, but again, also great uh, mentors for young men in this league and I think they do it the right way and you can see as the Kansas City Chiefs I mean um, a lot of good guys on the team a lot of good personalities and uh, you know shows for it you get to an AFC championship game this year awesome that's great that's it's awesome to hear be able to rattle off all those names being able to remember all those names i just think shows that they each had a huge impact on your life because that was a lot of names and some of them what you said i was like oh yeah that's right chad would have been with him that would have been a guy that he would have been uh listening to over the years so um yeah i forgot when you when you bring up tony sperano that as soon as you said his name i was like wow and he passed away this year like yeah. really suddenly and that was he was with the vikings i believe at yes. the time yeah. yeah so uh obviously being a huge dolphins fan that was really shocking when that came across and obviously for you personally having been interacting with him for so much so much time over the years um that was a a huge shock and uh um and a disappointment to hear when that came across but um so thank you to Karen for that question and uh, the next one comes from Chris Fisher and he wants to know and this actually kind of maybe relates a little bit to my dad's question about um, well I'll kind of going to roll these together here um, do you plan um, is 2019 you have a two-year contract with the Chiefs the second year is coming up have you been thinking about the future is is the NFL coming to an end for you? Are you going to be searching for another contract? Is that something you'll talk about with family as this next year goes on? And once you do end up retiring, be it you know this year or five years from now, do you have a plan for the future? And would that possibly include coaching at Wilson? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously signing this last well, this last deal for uh, two years. Um, I felt very comfortable with it. I, I think my goal in the beginning was to hit 12 years. So I'm approaching this 12th year this year. And uh, I think it's getting a little bit more difficult just because my kids, my son Chase is five, my daughter's three, and Chase hasn't started kindergarten yet because of his birthday in October, so it'll start next year. So dividing schools um, is a little tough on him, but um, he's adjusted very well. And so is my daughter, actually. She's actually started her first year in pre-K this year. But they go only half days, which is good, so they're not in it all day, and uh, they get to meet new people. But, yeah, we'll see after next year. I think um, earlier on when I signed the deal, I thought this was it. But I think uh, 
I'm probably going to push on and see if I can get, you know, a couple more years out. And I'm just still having fun. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think the coolest thing now is seeing my son be able to see what dad does. Uh, even though I'm not playing a lot, he gets to see me in the preseason. But uh, um, I think it's just cool to see his uh, perspective of the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he knows – Every every single player probably on the Chiefs. That's crazy, and uh, he loves football so much. So, if I can be more of a role model and kind of just show him that even if you're old, you still can have work <laughs> ethic and uh, um, pursue and still hang with the young guys. And you know, to go on with that question, what do I want to do afterwards uh, when it does come to an end? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I want to you know still establish myself here. In Pennsylvania, I believe we're going to retire here. We built a house here, so uh, this is where family is. And um, whether I coach at Wilson, I mean, I think I'll help out. I don't know what uh, my position will be, but in some sort, I'll help out as much as I can if they allow me to. And um, I think I want to kind of just still train quarterbacks, and I think that's still in me. If I get outside of the game, I think I'm just not doing any diligence to myself that um, – I put all this work into. So uh, I have so many lessons uh, that I've learned and that I can pass on to the the youth and uh, believe that I can kind of just help young men in this community and uh, maybe train some quarterbacks that will uh, have the opportunity like I have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure people would be uh, lined up to, to have some of that. You you talked about, you know, those number of coaches that you've had that have kind of, you know, each in, in certain ways been able to help you. I'm, I'm certain you've you've gained more than more information than most people could ever even imagine, you know, to impart some of that on on uh, younger athletes and students and things like that. I'm I'm sure would have a huge impact. I'm sure Chris Fisher isn't the only person in the Wilson area <laughs> that was wondering that question, and I'm, I'm I think they are happy to hear what you have to say about it. But you talk about the training quarterbacks, you know, all that goes on at Spooky Nook. I think there would definitely be an opportunity uh, for for your expertise to uh, to lend a hand. You know, obviously Coach Contafio is uh, is there too, but also um, a gentleman. I don't know if you do you know Daryl Daniel. Yeah, Daryl. You, I actually you, threw with him last year. Oh, that's right. Um, that's but, right. Yeah, uh, you know, got to throw a couple times up there. So yeah, he nice. he and I did the PA football news show together, and he's always posted tagging the Wilson athletes that are working out. So obviously, you've got plenty of connections in the area mm-hmm. that 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 would be an awesome uh, you know post NFL career to uh, continue uh, lending your talents to uh, to the region's uh, top prep players. Yep. All right. So well, I have another one here. From an email, and this one I'm going to read if I can properly pull it pull it up here. All right, so this one is from my uncle Rich, the Patriots fan. So this one, this one might go on. So a if you don't want to answer, here. that's fine. <laughs> that's I mean. Just say next. Just yes. say next. Yeah. Okay. So he starts. Or tell us the answer after the show, and then we can <laughs> we can like yeah, I don't know decide sometime whether or not we want to share with him what you said. <laughs> So he says, hello, Joe, Justin, and Chad. He's taking time from my Super Bowl celebration <laughs> to congratulate you on eight years of sports talk and to Chad for his years playing in the NFL. I was wondering if you were going to change the show's introduction. Well, he already got an answer to that. Actually, if he would have listened to last week's show, he would have known that. So yeah. he's, he's apparently a week behind. Just give Justin his own intro using the Eagles Super Bowl call. call. Joe, you will just have to wait for a Dolphins Super Bowl call. Technically, I could go back, but I'd have to go back 45-plus years. So, yeah, you'd uh, probably have to upload it into digital yeah, format. Right. right. So. Uh, he says, Chad, I root for any team that you are on except once or twice a year. I really think the Chiefs will make it next year to the Super Bowl. He are picking the Chiefs over the Patriots already. Yeah, I think he's sandbagging a little yeah, bit. I think we'll, so. we'll wait and see. He says, maybe it's too early to ask you about your favorite team or coach or players that you played for or with since you are still playing, but which cities do you like visiting with the team, and which is the toughest place to play? I wish you all many more years of doing what you love. After all, Brady has to retire sometime. <laughs> So that's from my uncle in Massachusetts, and he wants to know which cities do you enjoy visiting and which where is the toughest place to play? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you've been fortunate enough. I think I played at every stadium uh, so far except for Candlestick uh, when that was – I didn't get a chance when that My was, understanding, so. that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> so from what I've heard. So um, – but favorite city, I don't know. I mean, uh, to be honest, this year coming to the Chiefs, 
and uh, their fan fan base. Uh, I mean, it's it's loud. It's the loudest stadium I think in the NFL. Um, every Sunday, I remember coming into our first game. We were had two away games, and then we played San Francisco at home. And I usually get there four, four and a half hours earlier, so I'm there pretty early, and we were on Central Time, so I get there at like eight thirty. And I called my wife and I said, um, you better leave now. We live uh, 35 minutes from the stadium. <laughs> oh and the parking lot was packed. I mean, <laughs> and I was like, it's 8.45. What are people doing? Like in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, I mean, we had great fans, but it was just like, you know, take time for people to come in. And, you know, <laughs> and obviously us winning took a little while once I was there. And we finally got on the road uh, two years ago. But, um, I mean... Fans are passionate. I'm in Kansas City, and it's probably one one of my best experiences I've had so far. Um, always love to go to Green Bay. Uh, that's uh, old school feeling. Yeah. The fans are great. They're appreciative of the the opposing team. Um, <laughs> trying to think of another favorite. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoyed playing in Miami. I thought that was fun, especially early on when we were winning. Uh, first year there, we went to the playoffs, uh, so that was fun. Um, but toughest place, I mean, I don't want to toot your uncle's horn. Gillette. I got to tell you, the Patriots is a, is a tough place to play. I mean, their fans are into it. They got stupid things, guns shooting off you know, everywhere <laughs> half the time, you know, when they score. But uh, it's it's tough. They play well at home. And um, it's tough to beat them there. I think I only beat them, you know, maybe two, three times in 12 years. And being in the division, playing them two times a year. Um you know, says says a lot about their organization, and obviously we've seen their dynasty and <laughs> yeah. uh, everything that goes about them. But it's it's one of the toughest places to play. Okay, so I'm just going to add on to this real quick. What about in college? I mean, I know like playing at the big house has got to be incredible. I actually I, I saw you play there once. No, um, let's not talk about. Yeah, that. we're not going to talk about that one though. <laughs> Two right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> clearly, so we're not talking about it. Yeah. But um. But after that, um, in terms of like road atmospheres, um, you know what? What are your thoughts there? Like in terms of like maybe a cool place to play or even hardest place, like either one, like whatever. You yeah, I mean, think obviously, of. you know, I didn't even mention college, but obviously, Michigan was probably the best experience I've had. Um, just always packed house, yeah. the biggest you know stadium in the country. But uh, I mean, I enjoyed to come to Penn State. I mean, uh, being in State College and obviously growing up here in Pennsylvania, uh, we had. I think we had one night game there my junior year. You did? Um, yep. Yeah. I that <laughs> we were there. Yeah. I was with Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was a lot of fun, the whiteout. I mean, a lot of fun to play in. Ohio State is definitely one of the toughest yeah. places to play in. Um, plus, I feel like they, you know, juice it up with some noise in there as well because I remember my freshman year just getting under center and couldn't even hear myself in the cadence and I'm like this is ridiculous like, there's no way it's this loud but uh, that's definitely loud the Seahawks this year oh uh, yeah, okay. there. yeah. Uh, 12th you know, man I think it was Sunday night football uh, that, that was a tough place to play as well yeah does it ever like I, I mean I know you probably have a million things going through your head all the time but like when you're when you're there on the, like in the sideline in Seattle, like does it like do you ever even get like a moment to just like think like this is so cool like or do you just have so much going through your mind and you're trying to concentrate on so many other things that it don't even really get a chance to appreciate it till maybe like later when you're reflecting on it. I think when you warm up like pregame, um, not pre pregame, but like uh, right before the national anthem or right after when the coin toss is about to go, when everybody's pretty much in the stadium now, the game's about to go, you know, get the kickoff going. I think that's the funnest time when you're just chucking it around and you kind of just see all the people, people either bashing you or cheering for you. And, uh, you know, I think that's when you kind of appreciate it. And uh, it's, you know, we're appreciative as players, you know, the fans coming out to support us and pay our bills. So (laughs) um, it's, it's definitely fun to see them get rowdy. That's cool. All right, so there there are a few other questions that that we have that are actually re- more related to general sports stuff, but um, I think we have a couple more that people want to hear Chad answer uh, specifically. So 
um, actually kind of related to that is do you follow other sports closely when you're not, you know, deal with pro football? Do you like to kick back and watch NBA, college basketball, you know, hockey, like whatever? Is there anything else that you, uh, that you follow closely? Yeah, I'm not a big NBA fan. I mean, I think everybody's just one of those that you just go in the finals and like, Oh, they're in the finals. Let's watch the finals. <laughs> and, um, but college basketball, I follow, I grew up a Duke fan, um, uh, JJ Redick when I was in school was there obviously with the Sixers now but uh, they had some great teams I think Coach K is a great coach um, has a lot to show for it but I think I'm just one of those that with other sports I have to wait till it gets to March Madness and yeah. it kind of gets into the nut cutting time <laughs> and um, I don't know I guess I'm more of a bandwagon in that place but <laughs> I just feel like that's more excitement to me like in basketball baseball I can't really get into golf I enjoy to watch but again it's more let me hit to the Sundays and stuff like right, that. right like yeah like, get me to the Sunday of the Masters yeah, and right. like uh, now yeah like I, those big moments it's yeah. I think you know we, we talked in the about almost five years ago now um year Austin was was born my son he was born in like midway through April and I ended up I've probably watched more NBA in the last five years than I have leading up to that mostly because one the Sixers were terrible but then got interesting but also like I had a newborn like during NBA playoffs time and so like I was watching basketball games and so like it's just one of those things but yeah like it does have that a little bit of that feel like mm, I'll check in in April and, you know, and even college basketball, there can be big games, but like, you know, Duke can play Kentucky and it can be fun to watch, but like, it doesn't really, yeah, it so sounds like games, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they're both going to be there right. come March. And that's when I'll, you know, yeah. the interest level will be up. I'll, I'll be entertained, but yeah, no, that that's interesting. Uh, a few people ask this question collectively. Uh, so do you cheer for or against other teams or players when your team's not involved you know, with the Chiefs now? Is there someone that you're like, you, you enjoy their success or something like, I don't want to see them do good? I don't think you ever wish anybody you know, would do poorly just because I've been in that position too mm-hmm. where you don't play well and you move on to a different team and people say, well, what happened to him? You know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I think people mature in different stages and, you know, you get – lucky sometimes and luck of the draw or the team or the players around so i cheer for everybody um i don't ever have regrets i don't have regrets about jacksonville i don't have regrets about uh miami um i'm just grateful that i'm here and going into year 12 and i think anything that you ever go into in life is all about networks and i think you meet meet different people and that's what keeps you going i think just the personalities uh that shine through that make you want to keep coming back in the brotherhood uh, that you cheer for everybody. Now, I, I believe growing up, you were a 49ers fan. Yeah. That's still, you know, you're, are they a little bit higher than everyone else? Is it kind of just even playing field now? Is yeah, it's like- kind of even playing field. I just think, I mean, now that I'm in it, I just kind of want my team to do the best that they can. I mean, I root, still root. I mean, texted Blake Bortles all the time this past year, wishing well, you know, sucks how the situation ended up. But mm-hmm. um, people that I spent a lot of time with, especially quarterbacks, I mean, you just, you're in there so many hours that you develop uh, an uncanny, like, relationship that you can't just, like, forget that, you, you know, you just right. want to root for them because you've seen how hard they work and you've been right next to them. So, um, but, yeah. I mean, the coolest thing this year was Joe Montana in the AFC Championship. He was my idol. Um, got to beat the drum uh, to start the game. That's, That's awesome. Cool. And I got to meet him uh, probably about 12 years ago when I was uh, Elite 11. I was a counselor out there. Okay. And Joe's son was out yeah. there. And I got to meet him. Uh, phenomenal person. And then this year it was cool to see him and beat the drum. And then I was warming up in pregame, throwing her some receivers, and I look over the sideline. <laughs> And Joe's watching me warm up, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> my idol. Like, he's he's right me. here. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's like the coolest thing. And uh, I think once you, you know, I think when you're younger and even my age, like the idols, you just hope that they're good role models. And when you do meet them, that they're the same person that you always envisioned. I right. mean, sometimes you get the bad part. Right. And that's right. tough to swallow, but 
luckily enough, Joe was nice enough to still talk to me and um, spend time with me. So yeah. That was cool. No, that's always good to hear. Definitely. that You hate when you've looked up to someone like that, you know, athlete, celebrity, movie star, whatever, and you meet them and they're just like, they are not the You're person. Like, I wish I wouldn't have seen behind yeah. the curtain. Right. Like, yeah. I yeah. wish it, I always had that perfect <laughs> appearance of them. So that's really cool that Joe Montana, Joe Montana is like that. Uh, so obviously, we, you know, you're a member of the Chiefs and you just got to sign with them last year. It was fun watching from the outside. It was fun, like seeing like, <laughs> The reports of oh Chad's meeting with this team, Chad's meeting with this team. In the end, you ended up going to Kansas City. What was the driving factors behind signing with the Chiefs over the other suitors? I think it was just Coach Reed himself, um, the ability to take any quarterback that he's with. Um, all kinds of guys. I mean, Christ. I mean, he was Brett Favre in the beginning. Then he went to Donovan McNabb um, to Christ. There were so many. Eagle quarterbacks to I was gonna say, Michael Vick to D- Doug, Peterson. Young, right. Doug Peterson. Yeah, Doug Peterson was there. Uh, to Nick Foles, drafting Nick Foles. Um, you know, and then to Alex Smith to rebuild him. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, you know, obviously the young phenom, but um, everywhere he goes, he seems to just incorporate quarterbacks and allow them to bring out the best in their, in their abilities. And his play calling is great. He obviously has a lot of talent around the quarterback at times, but he really focuses in on what the quarterback does well and uh, develops them very well. So that was pretty much why it went there. That's awesome. Okay. I, I really like to hear that because, as we alluded to early in the show, I'm I'm a huge Eagles fan. So like for a lot of my you know time that I was aware of my fandom, you know, like really into it and things like that. Andy Reid was the Eagles coach and. It's one of those, you know, again, you know more than others. Sometimes change of scenery is probably just the best for everybody. And like, but man, you know, he, he, I think gets overlooked in terms of the Eagles, you know, how his success there it, it was unprecedented. Right. Like it, they were other than a couple years, you know, early nineties and then like early eighties, they were pretty much a joke for my whole life other than the time that he was there, you know? So it's, it, it, I, I'm happy for him, even though it's not with the Eagles to, you know, still be seeing that success. And yeah, yeah. he's just a good person. I mean, he's, he's has a lot of humor, um, (laughs) which, you know, keeps you on your toes, but he can engage with any player. And I think he has enough uh, ease to him that, players feel welcome to him and he just you know you can go talk to him at any time which is awesome not a lot of head coaches are like that but um he also is very disciplined i mean if you're not doing the right things he gets on you and points out all the things that you can improve on but um just very easy to easy going to get along with for sure that's awesome a question i got a lot in the fall at the beginning of football season as if I would have any answer to this. I did hear the answer eventually, what I think is the answer, and I'll let you give the real story behind it, was you weren't able to wear number seven in Kansas City, and you ended up with four. People were like, oh, you know, why did Chad choose four? I was like, I have no idea. And then I think it, someone actually told me a story, and I'm wondering if it was true or not. So why? how did you end up with number four instead of... Seven was taken, correct? Yeah, somehow the kicker... <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Bucker, um, which is a great kid. But, uh, it was after his first year. I think he got uh, – they picked him up off of Carolina's practice squad or something or got a trade to him. But he had seven, and I was like – I got there and, like, sorry, seven's not available. I was like, who has it? Like, a kicker. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even know the kid because he was so young. Right, like, he yeah, actually right. had a – exceptional year the year before like right. he hit like 90 some percent yeah. like i don't want to mess up his mojo right. I'm, like, right. I'm coming in as a backup like i'm not gonna screw this up so uh as soon as i knew i was gonna sign i called Brittany, my wife and uh talked to my son and i said these are the numbers available i said what number would you like uh for daddy to be and chase was like uh four and i was like why four he goes, because I'm four. four years, he, was, he was four years old last year. And I said, well, Chase, you know, when you do you turn five, I can't just switch it every year as long as you get older. And uh, he's like, I know, but four four sounds good for now. Like he had no clue what that meant. But uh, So I stuck with four, and uh, you know, I feel 
pretty good. I mean, Brett Favre. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see when you're not five this this yeah. upcoming year if, if he's if he's cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, I hadn't heard all that story, but that's a general gist that someone told me along the way. So that's what I've been telling people. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that it's true. And I was like, hey, why does he got four? They got Chase picked. Him. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, it does. That that's really cute. That's an awesome uh, dad son bonding moment. It's it's what a great story. Yeah. Well, I'm four. <laughs> That's like great. so ma- uh, matter of fact, like of, of course. Yeah, like why did you think of that? You <laughs> like, know that, right? Yeah. So as fellow dads, like we're you know, like we can hear our kids saying it in that oh, voice. Be like, absolutely. You know, like this makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it's very sound logic. Right? Definitely, it was a great job by Chase for sure. So, so you mentioned um, Mahomes, and when you were answering that last question. Uh, had you interacted with uh, Mahomes before signing with Kansas City? Had you met him, you know, playing against him the, the year before or anything like that? No, so the only um, interaction I had, actually, he came to Jacksonville for a visit uh, the year before he signed and um, just met him passing through the hall, just uh, introduced himself, you know, and that was about it. And, you know, talking to the coaches, Mike Kafka, who I actually played with in uh, Jacksonville, who's our quarterback coach now, um, Got to talk to him, and he spent a lot of time with Patrick because Alex was with uh, Nagy and was, you know, Mannheim Central. We yeah, all know. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Um, but Patrick spent a lot of time with Mike, and I knew Mike uh, pretty well. Uh, he was with us for an off season, so just asking about Patrick and his work ethic and Coach Reed pretty much told me everything I needed to know as well. And, um, you know, I just felt like it was going to be a great fit. I uh, knew that he was going to work, come in and work hard. Uh, I think I felt like he had a great leadership. At least they told me um, for a young guy, which he did absolutely surprise me for a young guy to step in and uh, do what he did and control this offense and speak up when he needed to speak uh, was exceptional. So um, he he really made uh, my job easy. I mean, I think he made a lot of guys' jobs easy <laughs> this year. Um, but uh, we we got along right away. And uh, as soon as I signed, I texted him. I said, "Looking forward to meeting meeting you and uh, working with you." And uh, you know, we spent the most time together, and uh, it's a great re- relationship for sure. Awesome. So, I mean, you talk, you almost talk more about his off the field and intangibles and leadership. But when you got to see him perform at practice and in the in the film room and whatnot. Could you kind of see that he had what it takes, that he was going to be special and, you know, kind of take the NFL world by storm this year? Were you surprised at all by how successful he was? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think everybody's surprised. I mean, you never know. I mean, going into preseason, going into many camps, you know, we knew he has the talent, but you just, uh, NFL season's totally different. Right. You got to be consistent week in and week out. And, um, I think he just had the right head about him. His note taking was exceptional. Like, I feel like I'm a really good note taker, but this guy was very detailed every week and never changed, uh, from preseason to the AFC championship game, which was very impressive. And I think he always asked the right questions and he spoke up when he didn't like something. And that's very hard to do as a young quarterback in this league because you got Andrew Reid, who's Hall of Fame coach, telling you, well, I put this play in for this. And Patrick's like, I don't like that play. <laughs> and some coaches get, you know, taken back. Right. And like, what, what do you mean? I don't, this It's going to be a touchdown. Like, right. about the play. <laughs> and Patrick's like, no, I don't feel comfortable with it. And Coach Reid, scratch it out. So it was a good relationship between them two. And it was cool to see him uh, speak his own mind uh, on the field and off the field. But, I mean, you could see talent-wise he had it, um, just putting it all together, making good decisions. And as the year went on, he made better and better decisions. And, um, you know, he made a lot of people look good, and a lot of people made him look good. We had talent around him as well. But everybody meshed together and played well together, and that's what, you know, why he's the MVP, and he told, you know, in the speech, you know, it's not just him. It's a lot of the guys that went into it and his teammates as well. All right, we've had another question here uh, about uh, since the last time that you were on the show, uh, you played six more NFL seasons and you've crossed paths with many players over the years. Does anyone stand out in, in any ways, good or bad, that's just like they were a character or their personality was something different or, you know, kooky on or off the field or, or maybe an even a super positive life, like incredible philanthropist. Is there anyone that jumps to mind that you think that's someone that – was interesting cross path with. Um, I mean, 
Blake Bortles gets a lot of rap. I mean, <laughs> and obviously I was with him for five years and uh, four or five years. Yeah, five years. But the, uh, nobody understands what goes like on behind the scenes, and his work ethic is, you know, similar to mine and everybody else. He just didn't have. I felt like the talent around him to exploit. And I'm not saying, he, and he'll tell you right away that he, he's not like a straight drop back quarterback that's going to like wow you. But the guy makes unbelievable plays. And the year that we went to the AFC Championship it was because of him. You know, whether it's his right. legs or making un- unbelievable throws, but. I think his off the field, uh, you know, how he matured. I mean, everybody's like, oh, he goes to the bars, he goes to this and that. And I was like, I mean, he cut that out pretty quick. I mean, right. he kind of realized, hey, I'm the man. Like, yeah. I'm not doing this. He was like a loner. I mean, he lived by himself and he stayed at his house a lot. And, um, you know, anybody in 22 years old is going to go out and have a beer, or, you know, drink or meet some girls. And, you know, you can't fault him for that. But I think he, he was better off the field than what people give him credit for. But, he, you know, he has special needs who he supports in his charities. He supports first responders, and he's always willing to support other uh, charity events. So, you know, he gets a bad rap, but he truly, to me, like for all he's taking, uh, his personality and his uh, the way he handles things has been ex- exceptional to me because he could just come out and bash people all the time. But, <laughs> Yeah, you know, he just takes it in stride, and you know it's a learning experience. Yeah. It's a learning experience for everybody. I think a lot of people have like a misconception of like, oh well, if if they just if they did this or if they did that, you know, like my team would win and stuff. Like, well, it's not, it's not that simple. Like, it's, it's not like your team's not working. You know, like or they're, yeah. I think people think, oh well, if he just did this a little bit better, that's. Yeah, it's it's not that simple. It's, it, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, as a quarterback, I mean, yeah, there's times in my career that, yeah, I wish I would have played better. Like, I think everybody would. I think you realize it right away, but sometimes it's just a, not your day. But you, you learn from it and you move on and you hopefully don't make the same mistakes twice. So we, we talked about it a little bit or made allusions to it, but you with the Jaguars now almost two years ago and the Chiefs this year playing in back-to-back AFC Championship games, what, what was that experience like knowing that you're at the – you know, the pinnacle of the game right before the big one that everyone talks about. And then the the heartache that comes from coming up just short to the Patriots two years in a row. Like what, what is there? I don't know. Is there anything different about it? Like is the buildup so great? Like, or is it just kind of like another week and you're just disappointed in the end? Yeah. I mean, I think just getting there, I think the two seasons that I really like, look back on or just how hard we worked in the off season. I think it was never easy. Uh, there was always something that either offense or strength and conditioning or something that was challenging and just brought the team together more and more. Um, and just created that bond that I haven't seen in past years. And, uh, I think that's why we got to where we were and how far we got because, you know, the difficult times that we went through in the off season, and everything meshed together and a lot of the experience that we learned throughout the season. But um, to get there, uh, knew how hard it takes to work to get there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing when you don't get to the big show. It's just you put all that work in. You're so tired. It's just like after that game and you lose, you're just like, you know, what do I do? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You think back of what it could have, should have, but – it's just one of those teams. I mean, times that team was better than you and they came in at the right time and played better than you in some situations, uh, that you can never, you know, take back. And, but I felt like we played an exceptional game, uh, both years. Uh, obviously we didn't finish in Jacksonville. We were up with five minutes to go in the game and, you know, good old Tom Brady marched down the field. I was going to say, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. Yeah, like and <laughs> it's hard to go against a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, each year and uh, give him much respect for that. Mm-hmm. And Belichick, and you know, as much as you want to hate him, I mean, you got to respect him because they're tough to beat and they have great game plans. And we had great game, game plans too, but, you know, we just fell a little short. And obviously this year in overtime, it's just like <laughs> – you don't get yeah. the ball. I knew, I knew exactly, like, even with the, whatever, 45, 50 seconds left, I was yeah. like, once we got the ball, I'm like, oh, we're, we're totally getting this field goal or we're scoring. Like, we're going to win this game yeah. as long as we have the ball. It's like, we give them the ball, 
you know, you, you can't control it. Right. You know, our offense was in the groove at that point, but, you know, going overtime, he, they just marched down the field, you know, three third and tens. Uh, it's tough to swallow, but I felt like if we had an opportunity to get the ball, like we would have won that game. But there's a lot of things we could have played better in the first half as well. So, um, you know, it was, I don't know what it was, 14 nothing or 14 7. Mm-hmm. So we, we could have put more points in there too. So, I mean, you talked a lot about, you know, facing the Patriots there, which is a perfect segue into uh, the, the next question because. Um, this is mine. This is the one that I came up with because I was interested to know about this. And unfortunately, my uncle stole a little bit of my thunder because I wanted to know what it was like to play at Gillette. I, I've been there. I watched the Dolphins game in Gillette a few years ago, and uh, it was an interesting experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, because I was walking around with a bunch of Patriots fans, no one gave me too much of grief uh, wearing the Dolphins stuff. But I know that it was an intimidating atmosphere for sure. Um, but according to what I was able to, to find, I think you've played the Patriots now 13 times, including playoffs. Um, for the uh, the teams that you've been with uh, in your career, you've played them 13 times. You personally, and for the teams that you've been on, is preparing for them, Does it is it anything different just because you know that they're just, they're, they're just seem to be a step above everyone else like everyone seems to be trying to catch them for almost two decades now is there any kind of anxiety or any kind of um developments that happen when you know new england's the team that you have to face i don't think there's anxiety i think it's just more that you know bill belichick's going to take away your number one thing on offense (laughs) or defense and he's not going to allow you to do that and um obviously for us i mean he shut down our run game completely. He shut down the Rams' run game completely, and but that should have, you know, in our favor, we threw the ball all the time, so it didn't really matter. But they they beat us in man coverage, and we begged people all year long to play us in man coverage because you're not going to play Tyreek man coverage, you're not going to play Sam Watkins man coverage, mm-hmm. and Travis Kelsey. Um, but they played it well. They double teamed Tyreek, and um, you know, we just sometimes we didn't win one on one matches. Um, but that's what he did. He took away one of our guys, and we felt we were still better than them no matter what on the other side. Uh, but they're going to take away something, but you just have to overcome that and kind of just not play in their hands, but kind of just go after them again. And we second half, we figured out. We're like, screw it. We're just going to throw the ball. <laughs> and we scored, you know, whatever, 30-some points in the second half. And uh, it's a lot of fun to see, but... You know, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback on the other side, so you got to stop him as well. And it doesn't matter what defense you have, you can have the best defense, and he's still going to tear you apart. Um, you know, last year in Philadelphia, you know, when we played the Eagles, still put up points. I mean, that was yeah. a hey. damn hard defense I to play against. Threw for more than 400 yards. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, insane number of yards and a lot of touchdowns. And But it didn't matter. It did not yeah, matter. It didn't matter. You know, still overcome, <laughs> but you have to overcome some of that and you have to get a break right. in the game uh, just like every other game um, but it doesn't give you anxiety I think it just makes you play on your A game at all times and you know just study their habits yeah have you had many post-game interactions with Tom Brady or, or Bill Belichick like have you had much conversation with them or is it just kind of the cursory you know good game kind of stuff I think earlier on in my career I think I had more conversation with Tom just because of starting um but in the past years, we've met him either on a primetime game where the freaking media charges the field yeah. and you can't ever get in. So I'm like, I'm not even going to bother. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, let it be. I don't, you know, I don't want to bother him in that situation anyway. But um, I haven't kept in contact with him. I only talked to him earlier on in my career and obviously in college a couple times. No. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. In your opinion, is he the greatest quarterback of all time? Yeah, I mean. Is it not even close anymore? Like it's just him. Six six championships. I mean, it's kind of like your Michael Jordan. It's like I mean, he already was a you know Wheaties box figure. (laughs) You know, it didn't really matter. But um, for his comebacks, his Super Bowls, obviously, and to play at forty one years old to play like at this level. It's it's ridiculous. All right, with I, the talent that he had, like he's throwing to white guys, like <laughs> not, not he's, to he's, be, he's uh, throwing to college lacrosse players. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's true. Edelman's a hell of a player, and he's a competitor. And Tom will tell you that. But I mean, she's like 
Hogan, like, I mean, yeah. Josh Gordon, which, you know, helped a little bit, but Gronk, obviously, but Gronk is kind of, you know, he's not, he's not Gronk, Gronk from like four or five years ago. Yeah. yeah. But still Gronk always has a, yeah. a couple plays in the game that yeah. just bam, it's like his go-to and, uh, you know, he, he makes it happen and it helps obviously being in the same system for that many years that he knows the ins and outs of it. Even when he's saying Josh McDaniels, you know, two hours before the game came up with these plays, but I don't know if I'd buy that. Right, right. Um, but maybe he did. I mean, it's just personnel groupings that he just switched was running the same plays. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to beat. Yeah. So it, from a player's perspective, it's something that you can offer us and the listeners of you're in the NFL locker room. When, when these, you know, for lack of a better term, scandal type things happen, um, with the NFL, whether it, you know, has to do with, um, the national anthem or the policies that the NFL has to deal out punishment to players, or if it's something that some people in New England would say is ridiculous, but like all the constant controversies surrounding the Patriots, whether it was the deflated balls, the spying, like those kind of NFL scandals. How do the players react to those? Do they get talked about much or is it just kind of like, you're focused on your team in the here and now and anything else is just noise. Yeah. I mean, I think you're focused on your team, but at the same time, uh, I think your head coach addresses it maybe once a year. Um, and coach Reed, I use so businesslike about just football. Like he literally has an index card and he won't ever go with his notes further than an index card, just the front. He'll never flip it over. He feels like your attention spans only like, three to four minutes for a natural human. So once after that, and especially in our, our profession, so um, he's, he doesn't really talk about it, but if it's need, you know, needed to be said, he'll say something, but you know, I think as a player, it goes on. I mean, you know, our society is what it is. I mean, it's, it's tough to go day in and out with it, you know, going on, but without being said, I mean, the media blows it up, but I think you respect it as long as they're doing the right steps um, to take forward, especially with the national anthem. Like I don't mind Colin Kaepernick because he's doing something off the field too. Like he's doing charities. He's going to school. He's speaking like some of the other guys taking a knee. It's like they don't do anything off the field and, you can't really respect that. Like, I don't, I don't, cause I don't know if they know why they're kneeling. Right. So things like that, I kind of just like wash under the board, but guys that are active and I respect them for that because, you know, everybody does have a voice and, uh, something needs to be done about it because it's not right. And, um, you know, but at the same time, what are you doing it for? Like a lot of these guys, they're not doing it for the national, national anthem. They're doing it for social injustice and, you know, Trump doesn't help either. It's it's like, she's, you know, we're tweeting back at each other like young men. It's like, oh my God. Well, in the end, it's all about the context. You have to know what the point of everything being, whether it's national anthem or all the other stuff that happens is, you know, what truth and facts and all that. So that, that was awesome to to hear that, you know, you don't get to talk. We, we listen to the media and we talk amongst each other, but we don't get how many people actually get to say, Hey, you're an NFL player. What's your opinion? Right. Yeah. That? And I, I mean, I think that y- your answer kind of makes a lot of sense. Cause like, you know, something happens with the Patriots game on Sunday, you know, or a call or a non-call or something. Everybody's going to be losing their mind. And that's all we have to talk about. Like we don't have football related things until next, next Sunday, right. you know? And so when that happens, you know, that it's going to be this huge deal in the outside world, but like, you know, Patriots play next week and, you know, Chiefs play next week. And it's like, so it's over with, it's done with, you know, I think you probably have better things to concentrate your time on. Because, you know, obviously there's African-Americans, there's white, uh, Caucasian. I mean, there's, you know, Samoan. I mean, you got all kinds of like, you know, diversity in our locker room that, there's nobody, I mean, we feel like nobody's racist. I mean, we're, we're around it so often. Like, if you're racist, like, somebody's just, I mean, it's going to be pointed out. You're going to stick out yeah, like a sore thumb. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I feel like on the Chiefs, I mean, everybody gets along. Like, we have no problem. And Awesome. Uh, I think Coach Reed, you know, handles it well. And I think it's all about the head coach, too. Like, they have to set the tone. 
and talk to the players about it. And if there's an issue, you go talk to Coach Reed or the head coach, and he eliminates it right away. Now, is that is that something where you feel like because we have seen like a you know uh, a theme of some like really young coaches getting a shot in the NFL, and that that can be good in in other ways. But do you feel like coaches like Coach Reed might have? like some kind of like intangible kind of like advantage in that sense where like he's seen a lot and he's done a lot and he has kind of that, he has that almost equity that um, where like his, his take on how things should be handled or what, how we should do things as a team is kind of, he has that built up already. Do you think that's an advantage for teams like the chiefs who have a coach like that, who kind of have that, I don't know, just uh, maybe, for lack of a better term, a trusted coach, or maybe a proven coach. That's probably a better way than trusted. But Yeah, I mean, I think he's said in his ways, and I don't think he's going to change for anybody. I mean, obviously, for as long as he's been in it, um, he's not going to change for too many people, but you still have to be able to adjust. I mean, it's a different age yeah. now. I mean, you got guys that were born in 1995. you got, hmm. you know, some millennials that are just like, it's a different way of life of how they're raised. Hmm. Um, but you still have to be able to communicate with them and kind of just set it. I think you just have to be consistent in your message. Uh, you can't stray away from it. And even, even as a young coach, um, just, you know, set it straight for, you know, right in the beginning, don't change and, you know, be the person you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And I think that's kind of who Coach Reed is. He just wants to be himself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure because of the timing, uh, the locker room after the game against the Patriots, you know, guys are, you know, kind of don't, don't know possibly what the future could hold because there's guys that could be leaving and whatnot. So you may not be thinking about the game that happened before you started. When you guys were all in the locker room afterwards, did you get to see highlights from the NFC championship game? Did I didn't even know if you guys had reaction to the non-call, like how big of a story did that come with you guys? Or was it not because of the game that you had just played? Yeah, we actually didn't see the play. We just like kept seeing because our our game got delayed like ten to fifteen minutes um, going out, and um, it's you know we saw the score obviously at the end, and then we went out, but we didn't see any of the plays. Um, we just knew all right, you know the Rams are in it, and that could be our next opponent. Yeah. And uh, you know you're so in tune of what you need to do on the field beforehand that you know you watch the game, but you're just like all right, we got to worry about what we right. have to do in order to get there. So. You know, kind of just let it be. After you've seen it now, what's what do you like? What was your first reaction when you saw the play? Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean to say it's a human eye. Like, well, what are you watching? Like, like there, there's mistakes. Right. Explain like, to I me can, then what you yeah, saw. Like, like yeah, you, you can't do that. And I think you know, obviously, when it gets down to that nut cutting time, there's no official review or anything like that. You know, it goes up to the booth and. You know, penalties are a tough thing. Like, sometimes you can review them, sometimes you can't. And it's like, well, we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this will be pro- one of the last questions that we have here, but it's related to that. And actually, you kind of br- bring it up about, you know, penalties being tough. And um, we saw one in your game that was egregious that apparently they called um, towards the – well, the Patriots received it because they called uh, roughing the passer when – uh, I don't remember who the defender was. Just kind of grazed. Was, was it D Chris Ford? John. Chris Jones. I think it was Chris Jones. Yeah. Grazed Brady's face mask. And this isn't. This is not meant to be anti-Patriots in any way. This is just general NFL. And the question that we got from was this your mom? It was my mom. Okay, <laughs> from from Justin's mom, from Cheryl. She says, uh, "In your opinion, do you see the NFL as getting soft on quarterbacks and kickers? Like, what do, what are your opinion as a quarterback and as an NFL player?" The rules that the NFL have, has kind of put into play to protect quarterbacks, is is it something that you like, don't like? What's your opinion on it? I, I think it's – there's a lot of favoritism. I mean, I think you have to, like, earn your stripes. Like, Patrick didn't get a lot of calls this year, and this is his first year. I mean, sometimes he did, but sometimes he didn't. Right. It's just like – all right, this is ridiculous, but, you know, the guys that I feel like complain all the time, uh, I mean, I'm not going to mention names, but I think, I think people know, like, a lot of guys do, but I think, you know, they get more calls than not. Like, I think when you're, like, even me, like, I get hit, and I just like, eh, whatever it is, what it is, like, you're going to get hit, and, but it is getting soft. Well, like, it's... I, I, I do agree with, like, the Brady rule, like, coming low, and you can't be... Sure, you know, sure, yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that, that stuff, but... 
you know, just a shove or like you can't put your weight on the that court. Was, like, that was my next one. That was the next like, one, yeah. I, how, I wouldn't know as a defender how to like hit a quarterback. Like, because some of these quarterbacks, like Patrick's like pretty big dude. Like you hit him and you don't wrap up on him. Hmm. He's going to spin out and he's going to make a throw down the field. Like so Roethlis- Roethlisberger. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, you know, what are you going to do? Big guys, like, you have to wrap up well, and you have to bring force into the tackle in order to get these guys even, down. So. Even in the Super Bowl, I remember thinking as Jared Goff was running out of bounds on the one play and he was not out of bounds yet and he got lit up. And I'm just like, and they didn't call anything. And, like, and I get it. He wasn't out of bounds. You know, he was going out of bounds, but like he wasn't out of bounds. But I was like, if that would have been the other, if, if the Rams would have been on defense, I feel like the game they would have just called the game right there. But like <laughs> again, that is my Patriots bias coming through. But yeah, I think the some of established guys, some I of the think. inconsistencies, I think, yes. are one of those things that drive you crazy. But that's not just on those. I feel like everybody, everybody loves it when their team gets those calls, sure, and right. they hate it when their team right. doesn't get those calls. Yeah, that's called being like a that. fan. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, it, being rational isn't as much fun. So yeah. I think it's just more like the obvious, like, okay, yes. like, you just reviewed that and that happened, like, call, like, uh-huh. go back and call it. Right. right. It's funny. We were watching your, your Chiefs Patriots championship game while we we're doing the show. We have it up split screen and we're doing our show live and we're watching the end of your mm-hmm. game. And that happened, the Chris Jones barely touching Brady's and we couldn't believe that it yeah. was a call. And yeah. it just, you know, we, it, Obviously, contact on the quarterback happens a ton in every game, but you only hear about usually the ones that are terrible calls. But that was just so, one that stood out. Yeah. It's just like wow. So yeah, I, I just yeah, I distinctly remember watching both of those games like two years ago with Jacksonville, and was Jacksonville the they were were they the first game or the second game? Maybe the first game. Your first game that year. I just remember thinking like eleven penalties to zero. Well, well I just remember if. If Jacksonville makes it, like Joey is definitely not rooting for the Eagles. Yeah, right. Super Bowl, <laughs> the Eagles make it, but like, but then this year I was so rooting for the Chiefs. Oh my gosh! Oh my God, but, we wanted Chiefs Saints so yeah. badly. <laughs> and, and we, we got, really wanted to see the thirteen three. Yeah, right. yeah, I, I, I feel like that was just that was the game we deserved for having Rams. Well, I mean, we we <laughs> talked about it on on the show when and now the show ended before the, your game ended, but. We were like, I honestly believe that if it's Patriots Rams, it could be one of the lower yeah. watch Super Bowls. Right. I, mean, I think it was like, close to a decade low. It's yeah. just people are tired of seeing the Patriots and yeah, Patriots fans are going to watch, obviously, and people will watch because it's the Super Bowl. But I'm like, you're not going to get. And then the game itself didn't. Yeah, right. Help. It didn't like, help at all. You know, right. three nothing at halftime. Everybody's like, you've got to be kidding yeah, me. Right. All right, uh, the last one here before some closing remarks uh, comes. Uh, sorry, I didn't write down who it was from, but they want to know. And this could go back, I guess, maybe to Wilson days. We're probably more college and pro now. Have you had any interesting or weird fan encounters? Like, <laughs> have they, anyone come up to you, like, you know, ask something, you to sign something, and you're like, why do you want this signed? Or like to take an odd picture? Or were they just a very unique individual? Anything like that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was just on vacation and uh, literally like four or five. One guy in the airport was wearing a Notre Dame shirt. Uh, and I was like, oh, geez. But he like looked at me and I was like, I kind of just like looked at him. Like, okay, maybe he doesn't notice. Like, you know, hopefully he doesn't notice me. But he like knew who I was. But he was respectful about it. Like he told some of the people at the resort. Then, <laughs> so then it was like pretty much every, it, got it out. got out there yeah <laughs> but everybody was actually very respectful and we talked and they just you know they wanted to know the ins and outs and right. one guy was a big michigan fan and grew up in detroit which is cool it's cool meet him a lot of people were from new jersey there was boston people you know of course but um it, i don't know i don't i've never really you know had a bad fan experience i don't well, think well that's good but yeah, yeah, yeah. which is good but um i'm sure Brittany knows more than I do, <laughs> so she could remember. You know, definitely tell me. Yeah, that's how that works. I'm, I am, I'm sure. Um, so I think the, the last thing we want to close with here is just uh, you know we appreciate you answering all the, uh, the the personal questions, the football questions, but I know you also have uh, your own philanthropic, you know, ventures and or organizations that you support. Um, one of them that you were able to uh, to 
kind of broadcast or show this year was um, the Chad Tuff Foundation. Um, and you participated in my cause, my cleats with the, with the chief. And I, I, I think there's too many people out there that don't know what Chad Tuff is about. So do you want to kind of give everyone an, an overview and some information on what the Chad Tuff Foundation yeah, is? Yeah, Chad Tuff uh, is for pediatric brain tumor uh, or cancer. Um, it all started uh, Lloyd Carr, my coach in college, uh, his grandson, uh, came down with uh, the disease and it's uh, DIPG. Uh, can't really pronounce any of those words that it means. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I, 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 it's a I, brain tumor that he came down with. He, uh, you know, hard fought for a year and a half um, and then passed away at the age five. So uh, heartbreaking knowing Tammy and Jason, uh, Chad's parents, uh, uh, you know, getting to know them and going through that, you know, you know, travesty, uh, is always tough. I mean, obviously we have kids and you never want to see that happen to anybody's kids or your child, uh, as it is. But, um, I felt, you know, last year, obviously I did Gilmore Henny, which, uh, have the cleats, um, uh, which is our organization as well, you know, doing revitalizing parks in the area. Um, but I felt this was a, a great way to do it. Um, they're always supportive of me. Uh, Lloyd's always been a great role model to me. Obviously, a great coach in college and uh, just great family. So it's a good uh, way to support them and uh, give back to them for uh, childhood uh, pediatric uh, brain tumors. So was did they give you an option to participate in this? How does it come about? Do you have to do any? Do you have to? make you know a, a requisite donation like how do you get involved with the nfl and the charitable causes what led to uh the cleats yeah so the nfl i would say i don't know if it was two years or three years now that it's been running uh instead of doing just breast cancer you know the pink in october uh they're saying you know why does the nfl only designate one uh cause one charity yeah so they created this my cause my cleats so any time in that whatever two three week period the nfl you can support anything um and without think, being fined right that was exactly. the whole point yeah you yeah. can get fined with your cleats so you know usually the team has a artist uh in town or you can send it to a different artist whoever you prefer and can draw anything on your cleats uh that you care about or are passionate about and can kind of exploit it and give it a little publicity. Um, really just pay the artists and then try to donate the cleats to their cause. And I, you know, pass them on to Tammy Carr and she can auction them off in their event in May. So it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it is really cool. I know. And Justin and I being, you know, Penn Staters, we've seen the Penn State alums that have done, uh, Thon, which just happened yep. this weekend. They were able to raise $10.6 million, um, for, uh, the dance marathon this year. But it's really cool to see, um, you know, they, there's charities out there that you've heard of, but I like seeing the ones that, or, I, I don't know anything about, so you can go on and find out more. And obviously, I had known Chad Tuff through the stuff that you've been doing, but um, it's it was awesome to see you participating. I remember, I think your mom shared it on Facebook, um, and we were able to post that on the Wilson page to get people more involved and to see what that was about. But I knew for sure we wanted to talk about that tonight. Um, so you can uh, learn more about the Chad Tuff, Chad Tuff Foundation at chadtuff.org. Uh, Chad, you also mentioned about Gilmore Henny, and you know there was a... Uh, was a bunch of huge projects that uh, you and John un undertook over the years and a lot of impacts in the in and around the Reading area. Uh, is there anything going on with Gilmore Henny uh, at, at this time? Is there um, anything happening with the foundation? Yeah, well, I mean, we uh, pretty much pass it off to uh, Berks Community Foundation, um, but we're still involved with uh, the summer programming and doing stuff. We still need to kind of get up on it. We kind of took a lull the last like year and a half or two years um, uh, for different reasons, but um, you know, we we definitely still have the funds and we're still supporting the the parks and keeping up with the parks that we have done in the past and uh, still supplying, uh, you know, camps for kids in the summertime in the, in the city or in the people that go to the park. So uh, we're still funding that as well. And uh, anything that kind of comes up, it still goes through us and uh, for donations or whatever. And um, we still give out um, some scholarships and stuff like that. So uh, still involved in that, but kind of just need to find the next project and uh, kind of, you know, you know, get it going again. Well, Justin, do you have any other anything else to say or any questions that you were given that I may have missed? No, I mean it's it was great having you on. Um, you know, it's it's fun to kind of just sit down and, and hear 
like, like I said, we sit here and just talk about the stuff that we see or we think might be going on. It's fun to hear somebody who knows what's going on, knows what it's like, and uh, just hearing your stories, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we thank you so much for uh, taking your time uh, away from your family in this uh, this part of the off season where you just want to relax. And then I'm like, hey, you want to come on the show? It's like, but yeah, we, we're really yeah. I talked about I talked about how like before the show, how whenever you know, just around, you know, I, I try not to be that guy, and then like tonight we're just that guy. Anytime you guys give me a call. And- as long as I'm not busy, I'll be happy to help. Well, uh, we hope everyone enjoyed the show. You know, we went a, f- a few minutes over, but we'll try to keep it to about an hour. And we appreciate Chad joining us. And he answered all the questions that everyone sent in or the ones that I was able to uh, track down. So, um, you know, hopefully we can do it again sometime. I'd love to uh, to catch up with you uh, whenever, whenever you're free and interested. And uh, uh, just thank you very much. We really yeah. appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So, um, next episode for Justin and I will be 274, but it will be about a month from now. We, we're actually going to do Bulldog Hour next week, just kind of put a you know bow on the bow of the 2018 season and then start to preview the 2019 season, and uh, which will be the 75th season of Wilson football. So a lot going on for that. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week on the season five premiere of the Bulldog Hour. Um, but when we come back on the Joe Mays and JRAF show, we will be talking March Madness because it will be Selection Sunday. So our next show for uh, this one will be Sunday, March 17th. You can always get more from us on jmnjrradio.com. And uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and like our pages on Facebook. I know, I think we mentioned it last week, we want, want to send out a happy birthday again to Justin's sister, Andrea, and my uncle, Rich, the Patriots fan, celebrating his birthday. And for all those that we missed, you know, we're sorry. We can't we can't remember everyone. But uh, any last words, Justin? No. All right. <laughs> so that's how it ends every week. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's he's like, I'm Justin. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for joining us. That wraps up the 273rd episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. We hope you tune in every Sunday for our take on sports. Until next time, for Justin Raffoff, I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Facebook Live and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRAF.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit JMNJRRadio.com.